0: So if you're ready to reduce your financial stress and truly live the life of your dreams, then tune in and let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ditch the Budget podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Rumor, and I am excited to continue this conversation about money clutter. In the last episode, we talked about what is it? Where does it come from? And really talked about how a lot of money clutter comes from kind of an uneasiness and not feeling safe around money. We talked a little bit about, you know, just having that extreme of from the unopened bills, you know, being f- stuck in drawers to all the way to the other side where you have lots of money sitting in a bank account, but you're just not... You're almost like paralyzed by the amount of choices. You're not taking any action. You're not sure what that money is for, but it makes you feel good having a bank account full of money when it could be doing other things to help build wealth or just achieve some other financial goals. So there's a lot when it comes to money clutter. And what I thought I would cover today is talking about how your money beliefs really impact our money clutter. And it's kind of when I was preparing for this episode, I was trying to think of, you know, what really does come first? Is it your money beliefs that then impacts and creates money clutter? Or is it the money clutter that is shaping your money beliefs? So I'm not sure it's like the chicken or the egg. I'm not sure which one came first, probably your money belief, but I'm, you know, open to that discussion. But Today what I thought I would cover is really two main beliefs around money and these are personal beliefs that I've had based on my experiences growing up and they have definitely impacted my own personal finances and my own money clutter and I often hear these two beliefs pop up in conversations with my clients so I think this will be helpful for for some of you we're going to talk about those beliefs we're going to talk about the impact that it has on our Financial future and our finances. And then I'm going to give you some tips. Okay. So I think, you know, for me, the first one that I want to talk about, money belief that I want to talk about is, and I touched on it a little bit last time, is not feeling like I can really talk about money, right? This whole idea that money matters are taboo. I'm sure we've all experienced that. We don't want to talk about. Our debt. If we have it, we don't really necessarily want to talk about the good things. You know, we just got a huge bonus or landed a new client, and you know, your bank account is abundant and plentiful. That also doesn't feel very good to talk about for the most part because it feels braggy. So, where does this come from? And I know for me, a very personal story. I remember really vividly. I was probably around ten or eleven years old. And I, I knew my dad was a blue collar worker. I knew he was a plumber. I didn't know. I knew we never re- and we never asked for, you know, we never wanted for anything. I guess I should say, we never necessarily had the like brand name clothing, but I never felt like we went without. Right? We always had food on the table. We had a, a beautiful childhood. It was a really amazing what my parents were able to do with. Now knowing, you know, kind of a little bit more of their backstory and and what our life was actually happening at the time, you know, there was definitely periods where they struggled. I never felt that. So I remember around 10 or 12 years old, 11 years old, coming home from school one day and we were having this conversation at, at school about different socioeconomical statuses, right? So low, medium, you know, high standard of living. And I remember asking my dad how much money he made. And oh my gosh. I like I I remember the feeling. I remember the feeling of him just looking at me like, how dare you ask me that question? Like you we don't talk about that. And I knew in that moment it was kind of like equivalent, like I'd really offended him. And I I, of course, I was a kid. I was approaching, I was coming from a place of just curiosity, but it was something that. Was really offensive, and that's how I felt. Anyways, he never answered me. He never really told me that I shouldn't be asking that. It's just more of like, why do you want to know? And and almost from an offensive place. And so I knew in that moment that just asking people about money, how much money you make, or just anything financial, it, it just was almost like equivalent to asking a woman how much how much she weighs. Right? You just don't go there. And I I really do think that this has cultivated in our society this whole taboo nature about not talking about money has created something very dangerous. And what I mean by dangerous, I know that's like a very big word, but why I think it's dangerous is because if we're not, if we don't feel safe or we don't feel like we can talk to our family, our friends about personal finance, debt, wealth money, income, you know, assets, liabilities, if we feel like we can't talk to our close family and our close friends to figure out what they're doing, what their situation looks like, can they help us, then what's happening is we're turning to, and I'm using air quotes here, experts. And those experts are actually, a lot of them are salespeople, right? They're salespeople that have something to gain some financial gain from the financial decisions that you're making. So give you a few examples. In my life, that was the car salesman, right? So wanted to buy my first car. I didn't want my parents co-signing. They said they were going to take care of me, and they did. And in terms of they got me a vehicle that I could afford, and they worked with me to make sure that it fit within how much I was able to spend. But what I didn't realize they were doing and what wasn't explained to me properly was they were putting me in this balloon financing arrangement, which essentially means that I was financing the vehicle over eight years. So I had an eight-year car payment. And at the end of those eight years, I thought I'd own the car, right? You pay for something over eight years, I thought I owned it. And what actually ended up happening was at the end of the eight years, I owed like $10,000 still on this vehicle, and it was definitely not even worth that. So that's a great example of somebody who had something to gain by the decision that I made in that moment. Had I talked to somebody about that that maybe would have given me other advice, I don't know. But I know that that's where really where I use the word dangerous, because when somebody has financial gain for the financial decisions that you're making, and yes, that can definitely include financial advisors. That's why it's really important that you make sure you're picking somebody that is neutral. And by that, I mean somebody that's not company specific. They have access to all the different companies um, where you live, that they're you know really explaining things to you they're making you feel safe and of course they're going to make money right from from some of the decisions that you're making but th- everything is full disclosure they're telling you how much money they're going to make they're not putting you in a product that makes them more money at your disadvantage and i see that actually happen a lot and it's kind of the dirty side of financial planning and the financial business that I don't I don't love I've always approached things from integrity as much as I could you know and I feel like I've done a really good job of upholding that level of standard but there's other people out there that just don't do that so it is really important that we have these conversations with people we feel safe around that there is no financial gain and that's honestly what I love about the work that I do with my clients because I can help them with their cash flow in a way that, you know, really puts them in a better situation and they're determining what their financial goals are. And I'm just helping them see here's a few different paths you can take to get there. And whichever path you take is what whichever one feels the best to you. But I have nothing to gain over you taking my advice. It's just advice. And that's really what I love about the work that I'm doing with my clients. So I think that is super important. That uh, whole notion of being able to talk to somebody that you trust, that is more of a neutral party, is going to be very, very, very important. And then the second one that I want to talk about, uh, money belief that impacts kind of our money clutter and all of our financial matters, is this whole idea that money only comes from working hard. And I've talked about this a bit before on my social media of course, I don't, I definitely like, I want you to hear me. I don't believe that sitting around with your eyes closed in a yoga position, singing kumbaya is going to, like, you can't kumbaya yourself to wealth, right? You need to take action. But what I also know is true is that we are in another dangerous, toxic culture of this whole work around the clock, hustle, 10x, you know, do more be more have more and it's always more and more and more it's like we're never satisfied with what we have and one of the things that i'm really leaning into because i'm a ex-corporate worker i'm somebody who definitely like played into that hustle culture mindset and there's parts of me that that loves it i love that hustle but i love just doing it enough to kind of butt up against the the burnout line and sometimes I, I'm really great at it and other times I just push myself too much and then I end up getting sick or, you know, something ends up happening. I really do believe that, you know, you can fill your time up however, I mean, like you could work literally 24 hours a day. I think most of us can agree with that. Even if you're in a in some type of service where you actually have to physically be somewhere, at a location, there's always going to be work to do. And so one of the, the concepts that I've learned about that I'm really leaning into is something called Parkinson's law. I'm not sure if you've ever heard about this, but essentially what it is, it's, it's kind of this uh, law, quote unquote, that work expands to fill the time available for its completion. So what does that mean? That means if I had 30 days to write a paper or a book it's probably going to take me the full 30 days. Right. And what's usually going to happen, my MO is to wait until day 29 and then stay up all night and do it. Right. So, really, if, if that is true, then if I only had like eight hours, I gave myself 30 days. I waited till the last minute. I procrastinated till the last minute and I gave myself, you know, four hours, five hours to do it. I would do it and I would complete it really well. That's Parkinson's law. So I didn't actually need 30 days. All I needed was four hours, right? But what we do is we, we fill our time non-intentional working and we busy ourselves because we're playing into this whole idea that money is hard and you need to work hard. And I've said this before, is if that was true, then all the hardworking Canadians, all the hardworking Americans and or wherever you're listening, tuning in from, you know all those people that literally sweat equity, you know work hard with their hands and or their minds, they would be really wealthy, and we know that that's not true, so it's not just hard work, of course, you need to work and you need to um you know take action, but I do not believe that it needs to be hard. I think you know i'm I'm completing more in a day working four or five hours a day than I ever did at my corporate job working you know. 12, 16 hours a day at some times. Uh, So I think this is really important. So those are the two money beliefs. You know, money, talking about money definitely impacts your money clutter because if you're not able to talk about it with people, then you're leaning on maybe professionals that have some sort of financial gain, which can absolutely clutter, or you could be deferring some of those really important conversations because you don't know who to talk to or where to turn. And then the second one is really this whole notion of, you know, work is hard and money is hard. And if money is hard, then um, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do to be wealthy and I'll never get out of debt. And then that plays into obviously money clutter. So what the heck do you do? You know, last time I mentioned the best place to start is to open the dialogue, have the conversation. I think this is definitely a must do first step. So find a friend talk to your partner. If you don't have anybody that you feel like you can trust that's truly neutral, I'm happy to have a conversation. can go into the show notes and book in a call with me and we can start to figure out how to declutter your money. But the second thing that I really recommend doing is figuring out how do you want to feel. This is something my coach has really pushed me on, is figuring out these, you know, core desired feelings How do I want to feel? And this might be weird to some of you, figuring out how do you want to feel? How is that going to impact how I handle my money? But I'll tell you, my core desired feelings are feeling connected. So, you know, oh my gosh, that's a whole other podcast episode, but feeling connected, feeling like I belong, feeling part, of like a belonging, that's really important to me. Feeling energized, having energy, feeling alive, right? And then my last, my third one is uh, feeling calm, so peaceful, being in this peaceful state. Well, how do I, how can I achieve those feelings? And most of the time, in order to achieve some of those feelings, it's going to take some money, right? So, for example, feeling connected. Well, if I want to feel connected with my partner and my kids, I need to spend time with them. Well, in order to spend time with them, that means I'm not working. So, if I'm not working, I need to have money, right? or maybe the time that we're spending together is a family vacation or an outing all of those things cost money so how do i figure out how to be connected so that it fits in with the available money that i have right how do i feel energized well for me it's working out it's getting enough sleep it's you know going for a walk or a hike or something like that again some of those things cost money and there is a financial um price tag to them. So having a gym membership or doing an online workout or, you know, just again, taking time off, maybe having a babysitter come in so that I can leave and I can go and feel energized. Feeling calm, right? So for me, feeling calm is uh, a little bit cheaper, <laughs> I guess I'll say, because for me, it's really just spending time with, you know, myself, a journal, a book, um, and really filling my cup that way with meditation and uh things like that. But you know, how can you achieve some of those things? And really having those, that list of core desired feelings is really going to play in to your money clutter because if you have a lot of clutter happening, you're not sure how much money's coming in, how much money's leaving, what your debt situation looks like, what your wealth situation looks like. How do I feel energized and calm in that state? I don't, right? So it's really important to understand how do you want to feel? And yours might be different. Your feelings might be very, very different. But for me, those three words really do sum up what I'm trying to achieve and a few others. But those three are very, very, very important to me. And everything that I do intentionally with my money helps me to achieve one of those three things. Everything, right? That is really where I live. And when I look at planning a family vacation, that to me is to connect with my family. It's to re energize myself so that I can show up for you all in a really intentional way. It's to feel calm, it's to relax. So What does that look like? Well, in order for me to figure out what a family vacation will look like to feel connected, energized, and calm, I need to kind of go to step three, which is I need to figure out my cash flow. I need to understand how to best fund some of those core desired feelings. And so how do you get a cash flow plan? You hit up your girl, Heidi. So you need to go to the show notes, book in a call with me, get you on your way, figuring out some of these things and this is exactly the work that I'm doing with my clients. So hopefully some of those tips helped. I really want you to dig into some of those money beliefs that you have. Is money does money feel hard to you? Do you have a hard time talking about money and how can you start to take steps to change that situation because I I almost guarantee, I guarantee with an asterisk. <laughs> this is like every financial professional guarantees things with an asterisk, but I I can almost guarantee you, Asterix, that you will move ahead financially if you just take into consideration how you're feeling and how you want to feel, and then try to make those, make the plan in order to have those core desired feelings come true. So I would love to hear from you. What did you think about this episode? Take a screenshot, throw it up in your stories. I am here for all of the things. So, Uh, I hope you all have an awesome day and I will see you next time on the next episode of The Ditch the Budget podcast. Bye, everyone.